Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. This is off-season, episode number five. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame vote that comes up on January 21st. It's really that soon? Wow. Right, right. So it's been in the in the uh, baseball news, there's lots of other news, um, for quite some time. And this year, on the ballot to get into the Hall of Fame, and we know the stipulations, you have to play 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so you could play 10 lousy years, and you're still going to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. But chances are, if you play 10 years, you were at least a decent enough player because you played 10 years. Yeah, like, like you're not going to see too many guys where, like, really, that guy's on the ballot. Like, even looking at all of the first-year guys on here, I'm like, okay, yeah, all of these guys were decent right, players, right, certainly. Right, right. So there's 25 um, players total on the ballot. Um, each uh, a writer, for the most part, or elector, I guess, um, gets to vote for 10 players. In order to stay on the ballot from one year to the next, let's say you're a first-year player and there are a number of those this year, you have to receive at least 5% of the votes. So let me let me uh, hear what you have to say about, you know, some people don't vote for 10 people. Um, is there a reason to vote for 10, not to vote for 10? Do you, you think vote, it matters? I think you vote for the 10, up to the 10 best guys you believe. If there's more than 10, I'm sure that's happened in some years where, like, there's just, like, for whatever reason, there's a couple guys, like, there's, like, a couple first-year ballot kind of guys that push down some of the guys that normally would get in later on in the voting. So I think it's, like, you put the 10 best players, and if there's not 10 guys worthy, you don't put 10 in there. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, you should vote for 10 because you don't want to a lot of times you've seen guys get out there and they don't make it out of year one they get three percent or four percent of the ballots because somebody named seven guys and could have put them on eight nine or ten and didn't yeah but like how many of those guys actually really like how many how many guys got unfairly kicked missed the hall of fame because they didn't get the right there name? are some guys that had really good careers that never made it to year two and i think that's just really interesting that they couldn't the, even make it to year right two. I, I think that that's an interesting discussion in and of itself but i don't think that's an argument for putting 10 guys on the ballot for the sake of putting 10 guys on the ballot well i think it, what i'm saying is, is you're not you're reserving judgment on those lower ranked on your own mind players for another day you know you're just like okay I, I don't think so but i'm not willing to make that decision right now i don't have to i think that's fair i think that's fair yeah so that's that's kind of it so i think the best way to do it is to um oh, wait wait wait, wait wait how many how much how many votes what's the percentage you need to get into the hall of fame it's pretty high 75%, right? 75 yeah so you gotta be named on 75 that was a good point i should have said that 75 percent of the balance so um I, I, we both have not disclosed to one another who should be on our ballots, and uh, I think that it makes this hopefully uh, a little bit more fun to sort mm-hmm. of see how close we might be. I assume we'll be fairly close, but um, why don't we do that? And then at the end of this, why don't you pick three guys that if you said, okay, these are my top three. You don't have to give them an order. You can if you in want. Ter- top three in terms of what? Who I just think like, – these, these. if I had to pick three guys that could only be on my ballot, these are the oh, three okay, guys. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I'll throw out a name first, and I think I went into this, and I am not, as we had an episode previously about this, I'm not somebody that uh, believes in the exclusion from the Hall of Fame due to steroids. Okay. So Bonds. I, I feel, I can, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and he, he is on my ballot, and interestingly enough, um, I think I wrote, he's, it's stupid that he's not in already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
the the nine this is the ninth year on the ballot so he's getting close to that time where if he doesn't get elected this year or next year and then he goes to veterans committee right correct and then it'll happen down the road um so if or it won't um anyway uh he is uh been gaining in the ballots a little bit so it's it'll be interesting to see because you have him there I have him there and I put Clemens also me too right there it's just like his I, ninth year on the ballot also yeah I even put another ninth year guy on the ballot. Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Because yeah. because the way I'm looking at it with these players all retired in the same year. And when you look at all of these guys, they were competing again. Like, like it's just they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. It just feels so puritanical to keep them out of there. You, you bring up a really good point um, that that the idea of who you played with at that time really impacts your chances in the Hall of Fame. And Bill James writes about this. Jay Jaffe writes about this. In fact, James did something the other day, um, I think, about Gil Hodges, who, um, who, mm-hmm. who came up. And he's not in the Hall of Fame, had 370 home runs, won three gold gloves, was a great guy, you know, good player, had a 273 career average. And I thought, well, okay, so maybe that's why. And then he said, well, they didn't have the gold glove when Gil Hodges came up. They didn't start until he was 33. So he won three gold gloves after he was 33. So you figure he could have won a bunch in that in that time beforehand because he certainly wasn't any worse. He looks his career if he has nine gold gloves, for instance, looks like Scott Rowland. And you made this point because I talked we talked about this the other day. Like you had, I mean, what if you're the American League third baseman when Brooks Robinson's playing? Right. Like, right. okay, congratulations, you will never get a gold glove unless he just misses a season. Right. Nettles finally run his gold gloves when Brooks stopped playing, and he's a, a you know a, a really terrific almost guy. Mm-hmm. I think we'd both agree, but he didn't even get a sniff. And okay, here I'll use this to go into another one. Here's a guy because he was the best fielder. I think he should be in because he won nine straight gold gloves at shortstop before going on to win two more for a total of eleven. Later in his career, and that's Omar Vizquel. Yeah, you're actually no. Vizquel is not on my ballot. I, I think Vizquel should be in there. Yeah, I just, I think you know, when you play against your peers and all that, and, and and you're rated, I just didn't even feel he was like the top one or two shortstops in his own league when he played. Well, there were always guys that were uh, better. Unfortunately for him, he came up like he came up and was a an established player so he was probably the best shortstop in the American League defensively until about 1995 defensively right never so, no never so, close well before 95 when you had the emergence of all of a sudden hey what if shortstops could hit like you before Jeter and A-Rod and all those guys showed up he he, he Tejada, Tejada. He, yeah he was Marcia probably Parra. the best shortstop in the the American League because defense was so much more in valued in the traditional than, shortstop way and he was not a awful offensive player not a good one but he was not a complete detriment he didn't improve in in my mind as much as a hitter as did Ozzy Smith who obviously you know that's is fa- in the Hall of Fame that's certainly and fair. that to me is the dividing line as well so very but, interesting but he was unquestionably – and you to say that like, oh, unfortunately you were Jeter or A-Rod offensively when you were still better than all of those guys defensively, I feel like that should count. You know, then another uh, another guy that shortstop-wise I, I would compare. Uh, so Campanaris played for the A's before your time mm-hmm. and Luis Aparicio played for the White Sox back in the 50s. Important only in that one is in – Aparicio, one is not Campanaris, and their career stats are almost identical. That might just come down to politics. Well, and 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 the real point that was made is that when Aparicio stole lots of bases in the fifties, nobody had been stealing bases for thirty-five years. So, in the minds of the public, 
because this guy began to do something that wasn't done. He was the precursor to Wills and Brock and, 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 and Ricky Henderson. And certainly stealing bases before everybody else does make you stand out way more than another guy that did all the same things as you, except for that. But Campaneros could never win a gold glove because... <laughs> Aparicio is winning the gold clubs, but it was just interesting because when you play and who you're compared to and all that really is mm-hmm. so Vizquel I'm dinging him for for what I said shouldn't be dingable, which yeah. is yeah he just wasn't even the third best shortstop. Yeah, unfortunately, you just happened to also play at a time where American League was filled with titans at shortstop. So there's another nine year guy that you know. Listen, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> yeah, speaking of politics, <laughs> can't stand him. But we, I think we feel the same in that we're going to you know, rate these guys on their contributions to baseball when they played. Also, right. So in Kurt Schilling's case, you know, he's he's. Not he wasn't nearly as controversial a person during his playing career. I don't remember really anything. I think there was some things towards the end, but I I never remember it being a big deal. Not not certainly to not not that uh, degree, if you will. So he is also in his ninth year. He has been gaining some strength, you know, in uh, the voting. Uh, what and it'll be very interesting, particularly given some of his more recent uh, comments. Uh, uh, how much that affects. I think the things that would help him is when you look at this overall class. He actually feels near the top of it in over in terms of overall what he did as a yeah, player. Right. So I think that's a big deal is that like he's not competing against some of these guys that he's had to compete against these last few seasons where you've had pretty monstrous dudes get in. You know, he, he compares in his one loss record, which we both agree is overrated and, and less important today than it's been, you know, almost ever. But not as much when he was pitching. Not as much. It meant, meant more than so Andy Pettit. Um, you know, had had a similar one lost in his career and was a great postseason pitcher, you know, had, had just really a lot of success. Um, but, but he never felt dominant. I, I, we, we agree. We agree. But but then then you put in the 3,100 strikeouts, you know, for Schilling and his career 1.13 whip. Pettit's nowhere near that. Yeah. And then he just pulls away and leaves. It where it's dust. like you kind of look at Pettit and you go. The other thing is Pettit played for the Yankees for his whole career when they were at the height of their dynasty. Wasn't ever the number one pitcher on his own team. Right. Schilling played for those awful Philly teams. Those teams in the 90s. That was before he really became what he But he was a good pitcher for them. And so here, like, think about if you put Kurt Schilling on the Yankees for his entire career. I bet his numbers look a lot better. (laughs) I think that's probably true. So those are the four, right, Sosa. Bonds, Schilling, and Clemens, the four guys in their ninth year. So next year, if they don't get in this year, would be their last year of eligibility. And then they go into Yeah, the and I have all of them as those would probably be outside of one more guy. There's one more okay, guy that ahead. I think is equal to them in terms of they would be my top five to get in. And that's Manny. Yep. Same. Manny. Manny's career numbers, when you really look at them, are nuts. I, I think I wrote um, – I think I wrote, I wrote um, one of the greatest right-hand hitters of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys that hit 312 for their career with 555 career homers belong in the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, like that's just – that's like he was a guy that hit for average and power in a way that very few guys have. And we all kind of remember Manny as a guy who had the bottle of water in his back pocket in left field yeah, at Fenway like, probably taking a swig during, in, during the inning. But what I thought was interesting, and, and I took a look at that, he only played 332 of his 1939 games as a designated hitter. I thought it would have been a lot higher. No, he played the field. He played the outfield. He went out there. Yeah, he was out there. He wasn't – he didn't – it didn't get bad. I remember it wasn't awful until he got to the Dodgers. That's when the defense really had fallen away. It just He just seemed disinterested a lot of times in defense. But, like, he seemed disinterested in the game sometimes. Like, <laughs> okay, so um, who else? Anybody else in your uh, – In? Yeah. 
I got a third baseman. Oh, I think I can guess who this is. Yeah, we just talked we've about him. talked about him a lot, and that's Scott Rowland. Yeah, yeah, he's in. My, he's on my uh, my book too. Uh, nine Gold Gloves, as we said, three hundred sixteen home runs, two eighty one career average, eh, but a three sixty four on base average. Yeah, yeah, like that means he was he was a really good hitter, a fantastic defender, one of the best, if not the best, third baseman for a bunch of years in the National. And League. here's how it kind of comes that you know I don't always feel the same way years later. I don't think I was as strongly in favor of Roland when we started this whole process. The more but I looked at his the statistics and his, his career, career yeah. statistics, it's it's more it's impressive. And like, and here's a guy where I think it's like. His career statistics are impressive in a certain way, given the position he played. But, and I have him as being in, but I don't think he'll get in in the long run, interestingly. And that's Andrew Jones. I have him in also. He's got my vote. Um, I, I put him as arguably the best fielding center fielder ever. That's a tall statement, and Willie Mays. Tall fans, statement. Willie Mays, who is now the oldest living Hall of Famer. That's interesting. At eighty nine years old, um, four hundred and thirty four career home runs, and a great fielding center fielder. I, I could just leave it there. That's enough. He did steal a bunch of bases, particularly early in his career, but not not a truly no. meaningful. But, but what what really dings him is the three three seven on base average yeah, yeah, for like, a career. What was his career? Two fifty four for yeah. his career. Like, and then there was because there were some years near the end where it got bad. And even when he was at his height of his career, he's never a particularly high average guy. So because we're uh, we think there should be more guys in, and, and I put out a tweet this week saying at one point uh, I think four percent or five percent of all major league baseball players have made it to the Hall of Fame. In basketball, it's four percent of the players that have played have made it to the Hall of Fame. There's certainly room to put some more guys in. There's so, nineteen thousand guys who played major league baseball. So wait, you said point four or four? Oh, one point four? Okay, one point one point four. So there's two hundred and thirty three. Yeah, players. yeah. You could stand to expand it. A little bit so more. Andrew 4% Jones sounds about if you're working with an expanded Hall of Fame, Andrew Jones definitely belongs in there. But prior to this, I think I started thinking, well, Jim Edmonds, if you're going to put Andrew Jones in there, you got to put Jim Edmonds in there, in, in there too. Another great defensive center fielder contributed, who was arguably player. a better hitter. Absolutely, I think uh, in terms of an all-around hitter. all-around hitter, he didn't have quite as much, but though he did have some he years, three hundred and ninety home runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was close. Like you know, he had about for the about same amount of power. And won a bunch of gold gloves and even won some gold gloves while he was competing against Jones in the center field. Right, right. right. So making Jones wait, I guess, is okay. But because they've made Whitaker wait, we believe that he should be in. And Gritch, um, and and I won't even put him in there because I don't think he should be in. But there'll be another guy I'm going to talk about who's sort of in that category, um, who who did did one side of it very well, but maybe didn't do the other side. Either you didn't like Viskel, didn't hit well enough to overcome, in my opinion, you think it's so, okay. So wait, so who are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about who isn't in, but I don't. I want, I want to save that. Okay, save him. Okay. I still have a couple more guys. So after Andrew, I think I have one. We have one, two more left, right? I have three more that we haven't talked about. All right, because I had um, Viskel, so that right, was why. Viskel, so that's so I have two more. So it's going to be interesting to see yep, yep. what the difference You'll is. You'll be able to guess, I think. So, okay, one more that I think is pretty obvious, and, and he's a guy that is getting later into his ballot now, I think, he's because he's been retired for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's Sheffield. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, and I've come around on him, too, and put him in. Uh, he, the, the problem for him is he's a lesser version of Manny, in my mind. Well, that's a good comparison. Um, yes, I, I don't know if it's lesser, actually. Yeah, yeah. only because Manny hit 312 for his Andy career. And he hit more home runs. So, so uh, Sheffield had a good career average, uh, but it wasn't 300. Mm -hmm. um, he hit 500 home runs. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's pretty – he averaged 117 games a season for his career, which was higher than I would have – for a guy that I always thought was injured all he the time. He felt injured all the time. Right, right. Um, he played 137 games for the Mets at, in his last year. They threw that guy out there 137 times in the field. He was, you know, deep into his 30s at that point and, yeah. and still could hit the ball. So he was a feared hitter in the lineup. When you think about watching him play, the same way Manny was. Like, he was coming up in the lineup. You had to you always – You were nervous. You always had to be aware of where Gary Sheffield was in the lineup. Yeah, and he was the primary hitter. He would come to your team. He'd be your cleanup hitter. Mm-hmm. Wherever he went, he'd be your cleanup hitter. And he was very mercenary in that way. He played for a lot <laughs> well, of teams. He, he was a guy that the teams didn't like to like, but they wanted him on their team to, to hit. It's the kind of guy where it's just like you're willing to put up with the attitude, but only for so long. I don't even know if that's a fair, like, to say attitude. I think he, you know, who knows? The personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely got or, dinged for, or the lack thereof. Yeah. Well, you, the thing is, it's just like, it's not like it, I don't know because I haven't looked in that much, but it's not like you hear a lot of got ex-teammates of Gary Sheffield coming out passionately for how great a teammate he was. No, no, but that certainly isn't any, not many any guys. reason why you're going to vote a guy in the Hall no, of Fame no, or not. No, 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 but that's the, that might lead to why he was a bit more of a mercenary than a guy like Manny who spent most of his career with, I think, three teams. Okay, so you've got another one, and then I guess I'll get to throw the one that I yeah. mean, you didn't. So it's interesting. Of the, uh, I'm not sure who the other guy on this list, because in my mind it could be a couple, though I think – I think I probably have it narrowed down now, though it could be one of a couple guys. My last guy, I think, should get in, and honestly, I'd have like it's just like I'd I'd have him in there probably sooner than some of the other guys is Helton. Yeah, well, I, I have Helton in there too, um, and the home away splits. Uh, listen, if you're going to evaluate Helton, that's going to where you're going to go first, right? Because he hits so much better at, at at Coors Field or whatever it was called then. Uh, I guess it was Coors it's Field. It's always been Coors. Yeah, Field. yeah. Um, he hits so much better at home. He batted about three fifty at home. He batted about two eighty or so on the road. That that really, but the 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 gold gloves for me, the three gold gloves, um, and the overall career stats um, are consistent. He was always right there, and he's a winning ball player, so he gets in on my ballot too. And he got to the World Series once they mm-hmm. lost, but he got to be there. So you know, and he was a key. He was the Rockies' best player for. Who knows how long until Larry Walker got there? Well, no, after Larry Walker, because yeah. Larry Walker retired. When? I don't know, actually. I will have to... Uh, and I don't think he ended his career. Did he end his career? He didn't end his career as a Rocky. No, he, yeah. went, he went elsewhere. He went elsewhere. He went I, elsewhere. I just think that the home runs, the defense, the average, he was probably the best first baseman in the, the, the NL for a long time. Yeah, cer- certainly, uh, uh, if you looked at the both sides of his game, yes. he had the best combination of offense and defense at first base. Now, Olerud was a pretty good hitter and, but he didn't and have a pretty good defender. It wasn't now. the power play and certainly is not a, I'm not advocating for the Hall of Famer. he didn't even play NL for that long because no, he no. only played for the Mets for like a season or two, I think. Uh, yeah, just a few. Just yeah. a few seasons. Okay, so my guy uh, actually did play for the Mets. Okay, then. Uh, okay, that could uh, be so we, both guys are thinking. No, it could be one of three both, guys actually. It, it, still. Exactly. So, um, and he is in his sixth year um, okay, and, and his his claim um, is that he, against him is that he's got the fewest innings for a relief okay. pitcher. Um, and he's only only that was actually him. one of the reasons why I didn't have him on my ballot. And, and but I think the bias against Billy Wagner mm-hmm. um, is that he was around when Mariano Rivera was around, and you can't 
the guy's success was really high, and his his performance was great. Um, I, I there think were he gets a couple dinged. things that, for me, looking at Billy Wagner, that kind of didn't lead the Mets to a World Series. I didn't help. I don't know if he was on. That, that was not a big, which is true. It's just true. He didn't help. He didn't help there. But he never had fifty saves in a season when it was important. When it was important. Does that speak more for the teams he played on or for the kind of pitcher he was? Uh, it was just interesting. And, and by the way, against my point, guys have saved more games than that and not been on great teams. Yeah, exactly. And coupled with the fact that he threw so few innings. Yeah, I think that was just a product of the time. I mean, that you, you only would use him in the ninth. That, that was if you the, had way, to that save was the style that they did. If he, were he to pitch today, they probably wouldn't use him that way. No, he would probably pitch more often. But like that hurts him. Like there was it, mm-hmm. when you look at his career statistics, he felt like a compiler to me. I, I, to me, I think he was a better relief pitcher than Trevor Hoffman. Didn't Hoffman get a Cy Young? Maybe. Let me look, because that would be a maybe. If he did, that, that doesn't mean it was. <laughs> well, okay. Just because he got a Cy Young, I'm not sure that 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 pushes it over the top for me. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think I think that matters. Yeah, yeah. That might make that might make the difference. And he was also Trevor Hoffman was what? How many saves? Hoffman had like over six hundred. Yeah, Wagner. I don't think was close. No, no. Ra- Wagner has four hundred saves or so. And he was doing it in the NL with a worse team on a pretty consistent basis. Yeah, those I, Padre I, teams were not great. So if you had to stack those two guys up, right? You've got Vizquel and I've got Wagner. I'd still take Wagner. Uh, yeah, I think it comes down to. I think Vizquel was more of a standout out of his position than Wagner was. I would. That's an interesting point. Um, only because calling a relief pitcher is such a weird thing to was, have it be Wagner because it was it wasn't that he was getting punished for being. Pitching at the same time as Mariana Rivera, he was getting punished for also pitching at the same time as Trevor Hoffman. So now you're talking him about being the third best closer. Yeah, I. And Vizquel was still unquestionably the best defensive shortstop. Yeah, I I still feel like Wagner as a relief pitcher was somebody who concerned me maybe more than Trevor Hoffman. Maybe that's a bias on Hoffman because his out pitch wasn't a fastball, and and I and I and you're also I have a problem. Yeah, you also have the problem with that because every time you probably watch Trevor Hoffman pitch, you got John Franco flashbacks. No, please. (laughs) So um, the guy that I didn't pick, and you know who it would be then, who also. He came up with uh, – I think he came up with the Mets. Well, there's actually two guys I thought of could have been, and they both did play for the Mets. And that is Jeff Kent. Yep. That was one of them. So 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 many people are so pro on Jeff Kent, and, and obviously when he played for the Mets those few years, he looked like he might be a decent player, and then he left the team before he ever really And then he went to the Giants. And he got an MVP, player. and he's got 377 career home runs at second base. Um, you know, uh, solid, solid hitter. Um, some people would argue that he is a better fielder than I think. I thought he was not a good fielder at all. I don't remember below average. him being a good fielder. No, no, not a good – just below average. And again, it goes back to he's – this is his eighth year of eligibility. And it just bugs me that Whitaker and Gritch, who I think were better players than Jeff Kent, aren't in. And he's going to get in now. And then what happens to guys like that who, who were – Who probably should be in yeah, over him because yeah. they were doing – approximately the same things as him at a time when their competition wasn't doing anything close to that. So he's got two more years on the ballot, so I figure I don't have to worry about, this is why I'm, you know, I'm going to vote for 10. I'll just punt to next year and see, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe next year I'll say yes. Now, there was another guy that played for the Mets that I did think it could have been. And that is? Abreu. 
Oh, so brief. I don't even think of him as a Met. He did play for the Mets, though. That's the proverbial cup of coffee there. Yeah, he did. Yes, he is uh, only in his second year, and he, too, is in my second-tier list, if you will. Yeah, like, the like yeah, so so, uh, so Kent— Vizquel was there, too. So Kent, Wagner, and Abreu are kind of all in my second tier. There's one more name I have is there I as have well. Pettit there, too. Me, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you gotta give the Yankee fans, you know, because they'll, they'll like like kill Pettit. Us, like, I, like again, I know I was kind of talking trash on Pettit when we were going over Kurt Schilling, and it's not that Pettit was bad. It's just certainly compared to the rest of the guys that I I would take every single guy and Billy Wagner before I would take Pettit. Yeah, I and, and it's only his second year, so again, I don't he have to. Just, punt. I, I don't I don't have to worry about it. Although if we don't put him on our ballots and he gets less than five percent, it's he could be by, by Andy Pettit. Yep. So I. I I would say that he will remain on the ballot. He'll get named on a ballot. He'll be ballots. fine. Honestly, I think everybody that's been over two will be okay. Yeah, I, th- I think all the guys we have on there. Are- all of them will get carried to next year. I think the more interesting discussion is with all the guys that are on their first year of the ballot. There, there's quite a few of them. Man. How is, I think it's really down to it's kind of like the culling of the baby turtles. I don't think many of these guys are surviving. So I'll go down the list and you tell me yes or no. Okay. In terms of you think his long-term prospects to be in the Hall of Fame, he's not going to get in this year. Well, I well, – Okay. Voting for him. I think it's even more interesting. Does he remain on the ballot? Okay. You're right. Yeah. That's even better. That's even better. That's even better. Okay. Number one guy, Tim Hudson. Yes. He, he remains on the ballot. I don't think he'll get in because when you look at his career numbers, he he just seems like he was a really good pitcher. There's not a lot there to support him being a Hall of Famer. I, I think his good fortune was to play for a lot of good teams. Yeah. There's not a lot of dominant Tim Hudson seasons Um, so as he, a collective whole. He's in there. One, two, four career whip. Uh, that's right there. You yeah. know, that's, that's, you know, in, in the ballparks, literally. Um, Mark Burley. I think he survives. Yeah. I think he's like Tim Hudson. Yeah. But. He didn't play for as good of teams, though, because outside of that little stretch where the Right Sox were really good and, like, the middle middle aughts, they weren't great for the most he part. He only got a Cy Young vote one time. Fifth. Yeah. So that's, you know, I mean, Tim, Tim Hudson, 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 Hudson he, got finished second one time in early in his career. Did he get a rookie of the year, too? I, I know he was very good in his rookie year. I don't think he was a rookie of the year, though. Uh, and Burley had the one two eight career whip. So very similar to – didn't have 2,000 career strikeouts. Burley won four gold gloves. Now, let's talk about pitcher gold gloves right now. Don't mean that much to me. No, they mean <laughs> relatively little. Says, says, you know, what does the pitcher say? <laughs> they mean relatively little. <laughs> okay. Um, B- because unfortunately for you, your entire game is also on that side of the field. So like – and you fueled so relatively few balls as the pitcher that the number of outs you're making in a singular season is really low compared to like any other position player. You could be Greg Maddox and have a Hall of Fame career and oh yeah, the guy was a gold glove pitcher too. That's nice. It would almost be more meaningful if you were a good hitter. Yeah, well, when it used to mean something, certainly. Right. Now it might not mean anything at all because you literally don't get to hit. (laughs) Okay, how about um, Torrey Hunter? Yes. Wow, okay, that was that was strong. Um, and, and I would put him into the Kenny Lofton conversation. Like he's actually, of the guys we've named so far, I think he's got the best chance of I'd, getting I'd, it. I'd say he's I, – I would say so too. Again, it, it bugs me that Kenny Lofton's not in the Hall of Fame. Because well, like, Hunter was unquestionably the best center fielder for a couple years. In he the was, league, yes. Yeah. Like he was an unbelievable fielder on good teams. On good teams, he was, and he was the star of those twins. Twins teams. and Angels, right? Mostly the Twins, yeah, his best yeah. season. But he did go and play good seasons for the Angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, a pitcher that you know you you'll know, uh, Dan Heron. 
I don't think he makes it past a season. I don't think he gets. I don't think he gets five percent. You know, his his career one point one eight whip surprised me because that's that's a good that's, picture. That's better than you would think, right? Yeah. One fifty three and one fifty thirty one one loss record. So that's pretty good too. Nothing else remarkable though about his other than this is a good pitcher. He's an almost guy. Yeah. Um, how about another pitcher, um, Barry Zito? First year on the ballot. All these guys are first year. I think he might be able to float to another year, but I don't think he's got any shot at getting in. So much like Heron, his career one loss record is 154 and 143. 1,800 Ks, so he didn't get 2,000 Ks for what that's worth. Um, his career whip is 1.34. That That's really kind of high for a yeah. Hall of Fame pitcher. He had a lot of bad seasons. So he had a, he was a decent postseason pitcher and and actually pitched uh, he was six and three overall in the postseason and pitched well for the giants when they won the series in 12 um no i don't think he's gonna last i, I and another trojan by the way so i i, I you know <laughs> would vote for him on, on that basis but he had a great curveball that was the most dynamic thing about barry zito his he had, he had a really a pretty curveball it, it was, was fun really to watch. pretty yeah yeah, yeah yeah huge big breaking lefty curve reminds me of, of kershaw's curveball a little bit how about aramis ramirez first year on the ballot Honestly, I uh, I have to look at his career statistics because I have a feeling they'd be better than I would 283 think. 283 career average, mm-hmm. 386 home runs, three-time All-Star selection in 18 seasons. The problem for him is that he exists in a world where Scott Rowland exists. And if Scott Rowland is a borderline Hall of Famer, then Erasmus Ramirez isn't even close. And, and, and I'm forgetting other third basemen that he played with, but I, there was never a time in my mind where I thought he was even the second best third baseman in the National League. There was like a couple year period years, he where he was All-Star. in the conversation. Yeah, I, and I guess that's that. how you make three All-Star teams. You're yeah. probably at least one of the two best, but um, I, I should know more about who his uh, contemporaries, contemporaries were, were yeah. you know, th- than I do. Um, here's another another guy, uh, the Flying Hawaiian. Shane Victorino. No. No. He he's a guy that played 10 seasons but I don't think he will make it one on the ballot. He won four gold gloves as a center fielder. So actually that's better. He had a great nickname too. Great great nickname <laughs> and that's actually very impressive. You know, you I wouldn't have thought that four gold gloves like right. and there was a couple of years where I like he was really good for the Phillies and the Red Sox, right? The Phillies, Red Sox. Um, trying to think where else he played, but I, I, he was a playoff guy. He was kind of became sort of a mercenary later in his. Yeah, career. but he was good. I, I do remember him being very good for those those Phillies and Red Sox teams for a couple seasons. But Hall of Famer, yeah. he's a Hall of Very good. Now he 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 did try his hand at boxing or both of hand his hands as it were. Um, didn't go too well, and uh, he kind of gave that up. But that was at the end of his playing career. He you know what? Good on him. <laughs> um, AJ Burnett. No. Walked a lot of guys. He was – the pitcher A.J. Burnett could have been was a Hall of Famer. Drafted by, you guessed it, the Mets. New York Mets. Because he had the stuff to be a Hall 2, of Famer. 2,500 career strikeouts. That really surprised me. He That's p- a lot of strikeouts. Because of all those guys, of that whole Beckett, Burnett, and whoever – I think it was Pavana was the other one, that like three-headed monster the, the, the Marlins yeah. had that one season. Local boy here. Burnett – Pitched the longest. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he And didn't he have like one weird no-hitter or something like that? Yeah, we were locked like nine guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Um, two more guys uh, that I've got that are on the ballot this year. Um, and, and he's not on either of our lists, I'm going to guess. Nick Swisher. <laughs> no. So the best thing you can say is he had a nice on-base average uh, for his career of 351. And I would say that he was better than his dad. <laughs> 
His dad, Steve Swisher, was a catcher for the Giants back in the bad. 60s. And he was a, let's just say, a professional baseball player and that played Major League Baseball. <laughs> you know what? He was good enough to be a Major he, Leaguer. Yeah, exactly. So but yeah, no, Nick Swisher, good guy, played a bunch of seasons, not a Hall of Famer. There's, actually, there's two more guys left. Um, Latroy Hawkins is now eligible for the Hall of Fame. I'd have to look at his career numbers because I bet they're weirdly better than you would think. But yeah, I, doubt I don't it. think so, actually. I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. He, he played 21 years. He might make it an extra season on the ballot just because relievers that pitch for that long are unusual. So like, he might get kind of floated a little bit extra just because of that. But I, I don't think he's a Hall of When I look at his career, I wrote down the only player named LaTroy ever to play Major League Baseball. Well, I mean, now you have to give it to him. Uh, and he played 21 mostly unremarkable seasons. That's his career. And yeah. if, were he sitting here with us? Right now, I, I would say, look, I looked at like there was like nothing in the baseball reference guide like that where he did anything at the end of the year, like he finished third in this or second in that. He just pitched for 21 nothing. seasons. Just, they just ran the guy out there. And the last guy um, did one of the classiest things actually I've ever I, I've seen in recent years done. He, he ended his career with the Mets mm-hmm. um, and he was owed a lot of money uh, by the Mets and he retired uh, even though he could have taken the money uh, and got, got guaranteed a couple of million bucks and he retired so the Mets wouldn't have to use that uh, against their payroll. And that's Michael Kadire. He had a couple of really good seasons, but he's not a Hall of Famer. So Michael Kadire at least won the NL batting title. The NL? Correct. For who? Uh, for Colorado. For Colorado. He hit 311 in 2013. Uh, 331. 331. Three, okay. three, yeah. 311. Sorry, 331 for, in 2013. And the next year, he didn't win the title. He hit 332. And the year after that, he went to the Mets and didn't do very much at all. And then his career yeah, was yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was not. We were we all very nice excited. player. Nice player. Liked him. Good, better. You know, good with the Twins. Had by a the couple way, good seasons for the Twins. Yeah. I think he finished up there in the MVP voting one season. But he wasn't even the best guy on his team. <laughs> not even close, actually. But again, a nice his teammate might get it. Baseball player, um, a, a guy who also probably interesting to talk to because I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I've heard him speak a few times. Uh, Kadir's teammate that was better than him and Joe Mauer. He might be. A Hall of Famer. Oh, I I think so. And there was a time when Joe Maurer was on a track to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. But then as he stopped, he stopped hitting quite as much. Yeah, he just was injured. And he got injured because, yeah, yeah there was a period where he would have been. As a catcher, un- what he was doing offensively was really While being an impressive. unbelievably good defensive catcher. So um, let's kind of wrap this up. And, and what, if you have three guys, if that's even fair to say. Um, and they're probably going to be the same three. I don't know. Um, yeah, three, three guys. Three guys I, I narrowed it down to five. Clemens, Bonds, Manny. Me too. Me too. I I, I thought about Schilling. It would be Schilling. But or I can wait one more year for Schilling. <laughs> I can to me, one it's more it's, it's more Manny deserves it. Yeah. Really. To yeah. me, Manny because because like unlike all those other guys, the controversy around because Manny was he a, he was a steroid guy, right? He got knocked for it, or is it he was just PED? It wasn't steroids. No, they 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 accused him of being on steroids. But they, all, they, they had less on him than, like, I, I felt like that his stuck even less than, like, Ortiz's. They, they really don't have anything on anybody, really. They, no. They, <laughs> but I remember, like, like, I remember the amount of allegations, like, like, like they had, well, they got A-Rod, and they pretty much got Bonds. Like, they know, we know Bonds did it. Didn't admit it, you know, but, these but, guys never admitted it, no, but, but yes, and, I, and, but they also... I just don't remember the same preponderance of evidence against Manny, and I don't remember it being as big a story against him as it was the other guys. Right, right, right. So, and and I think, you know... But that could just be me not remembering. In in his case, you know, he, he, he was just the best right-handed hitter in the game, and, and that, you know... 
probably as much as 50% of the players were doing steroids at the time and everybody's doing it. So that's my number one reason for saying if you don't know who was doing it and who wasn't doing it, then put that aside and let's, how do they perform? Yeah, and he was the best right-handed hitter. So, yeah, and we'll let Schilling wait until next year. Uh, But Schilling should be in too. Yeah. Forget what he says. Forget that he says crazy stuff on Twitter. Forget that he made a very bad video game. Yeah, there, there a, are, he was a Hall of Fame pitcher. There are a lot of uh, voters, writers that really feel that their conduct, uh, players, the conduct um, weighs heavily on their voting. And I, and I think that's something that the Hall of Fame itself has to deal with in terms of how it's going to be evaluated, because this is going to keep happening. It right, always right. Has. Here's the thing. I think you should start putting them because the last thing you want is suddenly people starting to go, hey, let's take a look at these historical right. baseball Retroactively. players live and decide whether they belong in there, because I'm sure there are a lot of guys that had some rather unkind things to say about women and minorities that played back in the 20s and 30s. And the last thing we need is deciding, hey, maybe Ty Cobb doesn't belong in the yeah, Hall yeah, of or, Fame. Or whoever it is, Nap Lejoie was another yeah, guy. There's a lot of guys that probably did a lot of backward stuff. So saying that Kurt Schilling has expressed some distasteful political views, now put him in there. He's all And Hall we talk pitcher. about it. The idea is to talk about it and say this guy ended up, but he's still in the Hall of Fame. If you want to say that's infamy, it, it, it's that's even, part of it. it. To me also, he never did any of that stuff when he was representing right, right. Major League Baseball. Right. And you shouldn't be, re- unless you did something so, in, like, it would be different if, like, he killed a guy. Okay, yeah, maybe if you murder somebody, you don't get to be in the Hall of Fame. But that's not what happened here. So we'll see um, by the time this show drops and we do our next show, the the votes will have come out. So yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll be, tabulate we'll, see how well we did. We'll do a little comparison and see because I doubt 10 will get in. And as we get here in, you know, the middle of our off-season episodes, I, we did just want to take a moment out of here to thank all of our listeners as we're approaching, you know, a thousand listens, which is, you know, for us, just kind of starting this as something fun to do once More a More than we ever imagined. Yeah, we are over the moon with that. And so we just did want to first reach out and thank everybody that does listen to this at all. Just it's awesome that you do and you take the time out. But, of course, we'd love to hear from anybody that, you know, is listening to the podcast. If you have any questions or topic ideas, we'd love for, you know, you to share them with us and you can share them us at our email at almostcooperstown at gmail.com you can also send us a message at almostcoop on twitter and we actually have a facebook page for anybody that's still on facebook at almostcooperstown so send in what you're thinking we'd love to hear from you guys thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and you can follow us on twitter at almostcoop